You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Good morning. Good morning. It's, uh, it is. It's so good to see all of you. It's great to have you. Um, listen, while I can and take full advantage of the fact that we're all here together, and you're all praying, folks, aren't you? Y'all are. So pray for the Dodgers. That's all I'm asking for. Just keep praying for the Dodgers. We'll be good. We'll all make it. We'll be fine. So today, this is a great day where we get to spend time together and, and, uh, and have fellowship with each other. I love it. I just love coming and being with you. It's so much fun to do. We have some special guests that are with us today. So I want to introduce those guests to you. We have some of our Foursquare leaders from Germany uh, we've been doing this thing together, Jochen and I have been doing this together for 15 years, I think, where we have just uh, been able to spend time together, whether it's here in Canby or whether it's in Germany. And actually, folks, let me tell you this, in, in a month when we go to Albania, by the way, you, you gave over $5,000 for that, for, that, for that conference. That, that's huge. So you, you really did, man. You kicked in. So what you did is you just paid for the Balkans four square leaders conference that's that's what you just paid for and that's pretty amazing so Jochen Jochen has taken Jochen has taken the Balkan uh, area under his wings in Germany so he's kind of stepped in in the last year because they've been kind of out there floating around and uh, we can't do it from across the big Atlantic Ocean all the time so he's right there and so I thank thank you for doing that because you're taking care of our family when you do that and it's a blessing so, hey, where are our Foursquare uh, uh, German pastors? Just stand up. What are, we, are they out looking around? We have six guys here right now. There they are. There they are, right there. Okay, man. So stay, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. This is good. Yeah, yeah. This is good. You guys were kind of going incognito back there, weren't you? Like uh, acting like you were American or something, huh? Because Americans usually sit in the back row. That's what Americans usually do. Is that right? Or did Germans do it too? Okay, I guess it's international. It happens everywhere. So stay, stay standing. I really want to do this. Hey, what I want to do right now, just take a moment. I want to pray. Um, as, as we know, the, the, the German leadership in, in Foursquare has prayed for us. We want to pray for them. This is really an exchange. It's, it's really about exchanging fellowship with each other, things that we're learning about Jesus and community, and we want to do it together. Uh, so I want to just pray. If you're right around these, uh, these guys, just go ahead and get it. You can get, it's okay to get close and put your hand on them. We're going to pray. Guys, are we all right by doing that? All right, you do that in your church, we'll do it here. So there's some guys back there. Don't let them left, be left out. Okay, good, good. Steve, I know you're running the sound, but still put your hand out right there. All right, good, all right. Father, we just want to thank you today for these men who have committed their, their life to a calling, a great calling of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only with their words, but preaching the gospel in action. And so, Father, I just pray that the blessing and anointing and refreshment of your Holy Spirit would rest upon them today. Thank you for the gift they are to us in relationship. Lord, I hope that we can be the same to them. That's what our prayer is. So, Lord, let us encourage each other in the faith. Because of you, we're here today, and we have brothers and sisters we never ever would have imagined we would have, but it's because of you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
So I got to tell a story on them, and I do. They were all going to head, they, they did, they headed, they went into Portland, and before they headed into Portland, they were, you know, talking about, you know, how good German beer is, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just listening to them, and they're sitting around the table, and I said to them, I just said to them, I said, hey, I know Portland is like on the top, and they were, no, no, and I said, it is, number seven in the world, if you want something to cheer about, I guess. That's, uh, you know, seven, <laughs> seventh in the world. And they were going, whoa, it is seventh in the world. And uh, so they all went out to Portland, had a great time, hung out there. I don't know what you guys are doing this afternoon, but we had some great leadership time conversations together, got to hang out. And thanks for the families, really, that have hosted um, our, our German friends. We really do appreciate that. And again, be praying for us. So Jochen, Annette, and I, Doug and Lori will be headed to Albania in about a month, and we'll be spending time with the Balkan leaders there. And so we're kind of excited about that. And everybody doing good today? All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a little time, and we're actually going to continue to talk about family. So what I want you to do is just pull out your bulletin, and you can notice what's on the front of your bulletin. A few things we want to mention to you about what's going on around here, so you can, you can look here. But remember, this is abbreviated. We have so much more on the website. Check into it. We have people asking about Bible studies right now. We have a discovery class, so there's, there's people off into another part of this facility that want to just really be part of you, this community. So they're hanging out with Pastor Mark Smith, and uh, we, we just have a lot of different things going on. On the back of this, see, it doubles, it doubles as a place you can take notes. And so pull that out and look on the back. Again, if you're a note taker, this is good. But we want you just to follow along and know what's going on here today. So today, what we're doing is we're continuing our series on family by talking about courageous questions singles ask. And let me add this, married couples should keep asking. All right, that, that, that's really the byline of the whole thing. Married people, listen, I, I want you to take note of the principles that we talk about this morning because they apply to all of us. They really do. What we're going to hear today really applies to our marriages. It applies to our life. But here's what I want to say to our singles. Listen to, uh, listen to what's going on around you. And listen, if you, if you aren't married and you're content, uh, this message is not designed to help you find a spouse. We don't really want to mess things up in your life. You know, We don't want that to happen. So if you're content being single, this is good. It's a, it's a really good thing. The Bible teaches that if you don't want to get married, then don't get married. Uh, that's perfectly fine being a single person. But the Bible also teaches that if you do want to get married, that's perfectly fine as well. So this isn't really about your status as much as it's about the, what the Lord wants to do in you. Can we all agree on that? Let's just all agree today, right now, that what we're going to hear out of God's Word, the message that we're going to hear It isn't about so much our singleness. It isn't about so much our married life. Now, there are principles that we talk about that apply, but but this is about who we are. It's about who we are in Jesus Christ. It's not about our status. So with that said, I want to say this. Singles, don't be defined by your singleness. Don't be defined by your singleness. You are much more important than your, your marital status. And at the same time, don't be in denial about your singleness. In your singleness, God wants to teach you something. And would you all agree with me that God wants to teach us something in every season of life, wherever we might be in life? God is always the master teacher. I mean, he's always wanting to to teach us lessons. Whether we lean into those lessons or not, 
That's a choice we make. But God's always wanting to teach us something about who he is and how much he loves us. So here's what I want to do here today. I want to ask some questions that I've heard asked uh, by uh, courageous singles over the years. And I want to add this too. I want to say this. Some of my greatest heroes in life are, 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 are singles. Some of the greatest heroes in my life are single parents. Single parents that are out there, wow, you guys are amazing. I mean, I mean, I get to get along in the journey a little bit with you, and we get to talk and share life, a little life together. But, but we've seen some amazing things. I've witnessed some amazing things and learned some amazing things from our our single parents, and it's pretty incredible. I always think of Karen Armstrong. She's in Flathead, uh, Montana right now at YWAM. Uh, did a beautiful job raising her kids here in this place. I was just always amazed at how much time she volunteered. I was amazed at how much she loved Jesus. I was amazed at how much she loved her kids. Uh, Karen, if you're listening to this, you are one of my heroes. And I want you to know that Zach and Amanda are great kids. You just raised them right. And you know what she's doing now in this part of her life? She's headed off to serve Jesus through YWAM. Isn't that incredible? That's heroic stuff. That's heroic stuff, and I thank the Lord that I've had the privilege of getting to know and really journey with some of our singles and our single parents. So, listen, here's what can happen. The second we start talking about one particular group, like singles or like marrieds or like teens, the rest of us can have a tendency to check out. And we, we do this, well, well, I'm not single, so I can just check out. Listen, I want you to avoid that temptation because there's always something God can speak to all of us. And this is what I want to communicate. I think it's so important that we know that God's word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And this is really about us. So when we talk about single life, we're talking about us. When we talk about married life, we're talking about us. When we talk about children, we're talking about us. This is about all of us. This is about community. We've become so fragmented and so specialized over the years. And I get it that we each face kind of different circumstances in life depending on where you are. But can I say this? We, we need to be community, especially when it comes to family, especially when it comes to the body of Christ. These are the times that we need, again, to collectively draw together and learn from each other. I think one of the best verses in the entire Bible on relationship is found in Ephesians. And if it sounds familiar when I read it, that is because it is. I keep reading it almost every message on family life. I think I've read this scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'll say this. If you can master that verse, you have mastered relationship. See, this is why it's so important that we submit to each other out of reverence in Christ. If if we can do this, this this verse is amazing. And the whole chapter is really brilliant. Ephesians 5 is brilliant with relationship. So why is this so important? It's important because Jesus, he submitted to us. Why is this important to us today? Because the one that we follow left heaven, came to earth, submitted to serve us. I mean, you think about the interaction that Jesus has with the people in the gospel. One of the first questions that always comes from his mouth is, what is it I can do for you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? 
You see, and when we are committed to each other and, and the well-being in, in Jesus Christ of others, then there are amazing things that can happen. So how do I live this verse out? I mean, how do I do this? Well, here it is, seven questions to ask, especially in the context of singleness, okay? So number one is this, who's in charge of my life? I think the most important question that anyone can ask, singles that you can ask, is this. Who is in charge of my life? This is the very first question that you need to answer. It's the most important question. It's not if this person is likable, if you have someone in your life that you're, you're paying attention to right now, or you, you, might, uh, you, might even be, uh, you might even be spending more time with this, this person. It's not whether they're likable. It's not whether they're lovable. It's not whether they have great personalities. What we're talking about here is the first question is, where am I? With Jesus Christ. I mean, where am I in my relationship with Jesus Christ? That, that is the capstone right there. Remember, we talked about families of the seven essentials. What's the first essential out of the seven? It is Jesus Christ. Keep the main thing the main thing. This is no different. What we're saying is let's make sure that Jesus is first. And when you're talking about your future, when you're talking about what you're looking at down the road, there's only one person who knows your future. Only one person, and it's not you. See, so you don't have the ability to know what your future is. You don't have the ability to know what's going to happen in the next minute or two. You can try to think it out. You can try to plan it out. You can try to work it out. There's only one person who knows your future, and that's God. And that's why it's so important for me and for all of us, really, to be able to say, Lord, I, I, I want to I give my life to you. I, I want... I want to know you. I want to know what you're up to in my life. So here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord. Because you don't know the future. Because you don't know what's going to happen next. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. There it is. Right? This is key. This is key to living life, and especially the single life. If you have any hope of having a secure future, it starts by seeking God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So what I want to do is give you a key thought here, something that you can just kind of summarize here. The key thought here is build your faith first. (laughs) Don't try to build someone else's faith first. See, this is where we get in trouble. You know, we see someone and we think, oh man, I could really straighten that person out. You know, I could, if, I, if I got a hold of that person, that person, man, that person will get a lot better. And, and, and husbands and wives, you, you try to do that too. You know, man, my husband, he's a piece of work. I just got to make sure I, I straighten him out. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, only one person laughed at that. Come on. Yeah, some of the guys are just sitting there and they're not even looking at me right now because they know who that is in the relationship, you know. Yeah, But listen, it's not about us trying to fix someone else. It's about us building our faith first. See, if you have any hope of being strong, if you have any hope of really walking forward in Jesus Christ, I mean really in victory, it's about what he's up to in you right now. It's about what Jesus is doing in you right now. And it's about building your faith first. You want your relationships to get better. If you want your relationships to get better, then build your faith first. Can you say amen to that? I mean, one more time, a little louder. Amen. I mean, that's really my priority. That's one thing that I can, I can make sure happens. That's a place that I do have some measure of quality control. It's right here. 
It's not with everyone else. It's not with my circumstances. It's right here in my heart. And who's the master of that heart? Who leads me in, in my days of righteousness? It's Jesus Christ. So that's the first question, most important. Second question is this. Do we help each other grow closer to God? Do we help each other grow closer to God? So if there's a relationship between singles right now, then what you got to ask that question. Do we help each other grow closer to God? Married couples, would you say that works for you too? I mean, are, that you, that's a great place to take temperature right there and just say, where am I here? i got to take an inventory. Here's what this means. What you lack in marriage, the other person brings. And in that union, you reflect the fullness of Jesus Christ. All right? So what one lacks, the other brings, and it reflects Jesus Christ. That's the design of marriage. I mean, look at what the Apostle Paul writes. The, 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 uh, the metaphors, the analogies that are used in Scripture, a lot of them have to do with the union of a husband and wife, and that is reflecting Jesus Christ. So the question that's good to ask is, are you more like Jesus with that person? I think that's a good question to always ask. Are you more like Jesus Christ with that person. I've had some folks that I've talked to, and I've done this for years and years and years, where I've talked to, to, uh, to a lot of different singles, and, they're, and I'm saying, well, are you better now? Are you going to be better with that person? And, well, we're going to get better. No, no, no. Are, I mean, can you, are you getting better? Is it happening now? Because we should be getting better. I mean, that's really what we want to ask. Are you more like Jesus Christ with that person? So this is hard work. I'm not talking about something that's easy because oftentimes when that person brings something you lack, it can seem like an annoyance, you know? I mean, it really does. Like, why do, those, why do they keep doing that? Why do they keep saying that? It's kind of, kind of an annoyance. I mean, that's, that's the way it can end up. Annette and I are, are so different in so many ways, but those differences complement each other. And it's really recognizing that and, and, and submitting to one another in reverence and recognizing that. And so I see that. And I know when we were first married, you know, it's like, this is me, you know, uh, more at that time a risk taker, a little impulsive. And I'm thinking, man, the two of us, we could just hike off and, and fall into the jungle of the Congo and just tell people about Jesus, you know. And she's thinking, nah, I'm not really kind of into that kind of stuff. You know, and I'm thinking, come on, move, girl, let's go. And you know what? I was so glad that I didn't parachute into the Congo uh, our first two years of marriage. Now, that means it's not, it might be for some of you to do that. It just wasn't for us. You know, and I was really, and I can tell them this. I was the first. I said, let's, let's start having babies, man. She goes, you kidding me, man? We're babies, you know? I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Probably should stop and think about that for a while. And she goes, yeah, we're babies and we're in the ministry. You know what that means? That means poverty. So how are we going to raise these babies? I go, yeah, I probably should have thought of those things, you know. So what happens is we have dialogue, we take time, we listen to each other, and, 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 and I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad we did it her way, you know, and that, especially then. Because, listen, we complement each other. And life is better when we do this. Life is so much better. She makes me think more, you know. She makes me think sometimes my brain explodes, you know. I'm thinking, okay, i got to really stop and think about this. i really got to take time and measure this out. And some of you are, you know, you're looking for someone like you. Let me say this. Some of you are looking for someone like you. But if you marry someone like you, then one of you is unnecessary. So, yeah. 
You can determine who that is. I already know who it is in my marriage, so there you go. Yeah, one of you, really unnecessary. So we want to have, we want to have people around us who, who complement our lives. Can I say this for all the business people that are out there? This works in business as well. This is a great practice in business. There are a lot of places I go in businesses and churches and, and spend time with people, and I find out, wow, the, the, the people that follow the pastor are just like the pastor. That's scary. There's, no, there's not a diversity there. I love it here because you look around, and I've had some of my pastor friends come in and go, whoa, that person's a lot different than you. And I said, yeah, and thank you, Jesus. Because you can only have one of me. I don't want you to have five or ten or fifteen of me. You, 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 no one can handle that. You have to have people that there are there that bring personality checks and balances. That's why I look out and I love you guys. I mean, I look out and I think, wow, this has got some diversity here. I mean, you know, in the way we think, in the way that we live life, it's amazing. You know what I love to do? I love to hang out with Scott Edwards because Scott makes me think a little more. Scott, Scott talks about the, he, he's, he's a business guy and he, and he helps me think about things and I think, wow, I, I really got to be thinking about stewardship. I've got to be thinking about these things. Scott's on our council. So you see these people around us and around me and around you. We want to have people that are different. Would you make the cut in your own list? Can I ask you that? So if you have singles, and even par- married people that are, you don't have your list, and you're checking, would you even make the cut on your own list? See, because what you're asking from someone else, you might not even be able to deliver. And by the way, check the list and make sure, make sure that that, li- that, that list um, even Jesus can't fill, all right? Just, just look at that, because some of us got things on the list, and we're thinking, wow, that's only something that Jesus can do. You know, there's things in our life that we want someone else to complete in us, someone else to do for us. The only person that can do it is Jesus Christ. you got to make sure you know you distinguish between all that. you got to look at this. Listen, I, I love diversity. I love the way God puts personalities together. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. One person sharpens another. If you're not in a relationship where someone isn't sharpening you, then you aren't getting better. You aren't growing. So here's the key thought. Value, value your differences. Listen, beauty comes when we value the differences of those that are in our life. If you're a single person, you're looking for someone who makes you more complete in Jesus You know, this isn't about meeting all the preferences. It really isn't. It's not about meeting all your preferences. It really has to do with just a few things of which we're talking about right now. That should be the inventory list right there saying, man, do these people love Jesus? Do they make me more like Jesus? Am I like Jesus when I'm around them? Those are the things that are so important. Now, when I was about 20 years old, before I met Annette, I did have three things that I thought, you know, and I don't know where you think of these things. Listen, let me tell you, it's a 20-year-old thing in these things, so don't judge me after I tell you, okay? Please, because you got some of your own funky stuff, too. But I I was praying, and I said, man, what, I mean, what am I even looking for? And so the first thing I thought about, and this is a 20-year-old even coming up with this. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. I thought godly. That would be good. That's a good one to start with. It wasn't just because I was going to Bible college, but I'm thinking, man, to make it through life, I need a godly woman. 
And Lord, the second thing I need is I need a gorgeous woman. Help me with that. Would you help me with that? I mean, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. And the third thing is I want a gamer. I want someone who actually wants to compete, someone who's, who can make things happen. And man, I got it. It happened. Make sure that you're having someone in your life that iron sharpens iron. Number three. Third question. Do we have similar dreams, directions, and expectations? That's a good one. So first question is, am I submitted to God? Second question is, am I looking for uh, the right person? I mean, the right, are my eyes where they need to be? And then the third question is, what are my dreams, direction, and expectations? This is important. Because many of you have known what your direction is since you've been a child. I mean, you've been actually told what your direction is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem comes when you don't submit that to God. That's the problem. I mean, I've had little kids tell me at five years old, I'm going to be a doctor. That's a good thing. Not a bad thing. And they keep on that discipline. They stay on that track. It's amazing. But are those plans submitted to God? Because those are the plans that actually work. Those are the plans that actually make it. So what are those dreams? What keeps uh, us together, what keeps especially Annette and I in love with each other is not that we're alike, it's that we have the same values. It's the same, we have the same expectations. And that takes, that takes listen to this, everyone hates this word, but I'm going to say it, this takes compromise. And, I, and I'm going to tell you something, mature people compromise, by the way. Immature people do not compromise. So I'll let, you, let that one sink in a little bit. Because we have to look at where, are, where is this all landing in my life? So let me be very clear about this, um, you know, about relationships here. I've talked with people. I've sat down over the years. We've had, you know, premarital counseling, done all that kind of thing. And I hear people say, ah, I'm just, I'm looking for my soulmate. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking for my soulmate. Well, good for you. But I'm going to tell you something. Um, Soulmates are not found. They're forged. That's how you get a soulmate. Can I say that again? Soulmates you just don't stumble on. Soulmates are forged out in relationship, in time, in marriage. That's how all this, that's how all this happens. The most intense relationships go through challenges. They go through problems. They go through hardships. So the process or, or forging usually starts. Can I tell you how it usually starts? So here it is, just a little in your mind. How, how does this usually, how do people get together? Usually it's like attraction. That's where it can start. Oh, that's what happened with me. You know, it was like, wow, she is really good looking. I want to hang out with her. I mean, that's, that's how it starts. So attraction gets the ball rolling. There's nothing wrong with it. That can happen. You can attract each other for a lot of different reasons. There's can be, there can be attraction that takes place. But then there has to be some level of objectivity. Uh, a relationship cannot last just based on some sort of attraction. There has to be objectivity. And when you go through objectivity, what you do is what you're looking at is the greatest benefit. Remember this. Usually when you're being objective, you're looking at the greatest benefit and you're saying, wow, um, I really like this about this person and, and this is very attractive to me about this person. But what we'll fail to forget is the greatest benefit is oftentimes the greatest liability. It's the same thing. 
So, so some of you think, wow, I got a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. That, I mean, I love this, but what's up? It's just the same thing. It's the same thing. So, for instance, take me a risk, someone who takes a risk, what are, what's the downside? Impulsive. It's the same thing. So husbands and wives look at that and say, wow, I love that. And when you, I don't really like that. You've got to make sure you recognize it can be the same thing. So there, there's the benefits and there's the liabilities. So to get objectivity, one of the things you can do to get objectivity, and I love this, is talk about history, individual history. I know before Annette and I got married, we talked about family history. We just kind of unpacked it. I don't think we were thinking strategically then, but we just started kind of talking about where did you come from? Where did you come from? What was your family like? What was your family like? What are the things you like? What are the things you don't like? I mean, that's what we did. After attraction, there comes that objectivity, and it, it really is important that you get objectivity. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they agree to do so? So there's some level of objectivity. Here's the key thought. Know your calling. Know your calling. Know your calling. It's so important. Number four, we're going to move along here. Can we fight fair? That's, that's an important question to ask. Can we fight fair? Both uh, Annette and I come from families where uh, it was probably during an era where moms and dads didn't really let you see what, how they resolve things. So you, you're kind of trying to figure out, well, what's going on here? You know, They went into the bedroom, locked the door, and we don't even, I don't know what's going on. And they come out, and there's an answer. What we didn't get to see was the process. We didn't get to see, and I'm not talking about mom and dad, uh, you know, just full throttle with each other in front of the kids. I'm just talking about how do you have discussion with each other? It's so important. How do you do that? How do you resolve your problems? Making sure that you get together and resolve those problems. I remember uh, we were married just a few years, and I, you know, I, Annette and I were in a discussion. You know, you can put we're in a discussion, and I was thinking this isn't getting anywhere. You know, and I and 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 I told you this before. I thought I'm just going to vacate. You know, and the Lord said, "You do that again, I'm going to come down on you so hard." There's no way that you can resolve something when you're not in the presence of the person you're trying to resolve the problem with. Now, I understand there's some cooling off that might go on in discussions. But listen, you're not going to resolve it in abstentia. You've got to determine that you're going to stay into this and you're going to commit to learning to trust each other through those conversations. There's so much more that would go on here, but Proverbs chapter 18 Verse 2, and I really think this has a lot to do with understanding others, other, other, understanding each other. It says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Listen, your opinions are almost worth nothing. I'm just, just I, I hate to break it to you. I don't mean to be mean to you. That's not what I mean. Your opinions compared to the reality of relationship, the reality, most of all, of God's word is really nothing. What fools typically do is they just give their opinions. And, and it's their own opinions. They, they love telling you about their own opinions. Listen, um, sometimes it's just really good to be quiet and to be thoughtful and to write some things down and take some pause and take notes and process and think about how I'm going to respond. And I know this has been a huge discipline for me to learn. Uh, especially leading. Uh, people want answers sometimes right away, and to give an answer right away could be foolish. 
So it's important to say, hey, give me a little time. Let me think through this. I think Annette knows now. I take a little more time to process. I think because I know the level of influence sometimes can be a detriment if you're not a processor and if you're not thinking well. So dads, moms, singles, be thinking before you just jump in and give your opinion to something. So here, here's, here's what's important. Here's the key thought. Communication is crucial. Second, third, and fourth questions are really what form the core of a godly relationship. So look at those number two, number three, and number four. Learn about each other and communicate to each other. Study each other. Know what their likes and dislikes are. That's so important. And so here's the fifth question. What about sex? All right, there we go. You got it? You heard me say it. Now, realize this. I realize this, that, that not everyone goes to Sunday school. Uh, and some of them might be in here. So I'm going to be God-honoring here. And now we're going to call it hugs, all right? So we're going to call that hugs. And you aren't laughing very much. You're all pretty tense right now. Just chill. Just relax a little bit. Take a deep breath. I'm not going to go to R-rated anything. So you're all right. But, but you have to talk about this. See, I, want, I want people to hear this. I, we really need to do this. You know, I'm, I'm pro-hug. There it goes. There it's happening now. Your head and your heart are connecting. And so is your mind and body. So that's good. I'm pro-hug. Thank God for hugs. I mean, I believe God created hugging. You know, there, there are t- seriously, there are times in the middle of the day I think I just stop in the middle of the day and say, thank you, Jesus, I get to hug a beautiful woman. That's so cool. You know? Hugging is important. I've heard the question singles have asked, how far is too far? And especially from our teenagers. And, and then this is the general answer that you might even get today. Contemporary answer is this. It's different for each of us. No, it's not. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Yes, it does. The Bible has a lot to say about it. I mean, a whole lot to say about it. Especially go to Ephesians 1, 5 and talking about relationship. Ephesians 5, 3 says this. But among you there should must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't be asking how close do I get to the line. We should be saying, God, what is the thing that I need to do that absolutely gives no hint of immorality? Model, hear this, model modesty. Please, model modesty. Amen? Should hear more of those. Amen. Amen. Model modesty. That that I mean, if you're if you're in question about it, just model modesty. There should be no hint in our lives as Christ followers of immorality. Remember, I talked to you a little earlier a bit about attraction and objectivity. So, when do single people hug? You know. Now, what happens today is well, I'm 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 hugging before I get married because I you know, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, that's called attraction. Can I, let me throw this out there. Can someone tell me how you can have objectivity when you've already been physically intimate? I don't. That, see, God has put this all together in a particular order that keeps you safe, that keeps you preserved. 
And so he's saying during that time of attraction, before you get married, there should be a lot of objectivity happening during that time. And that's what you're going to, you can live in that objectivity. And God's word gives us objectivity. That's what it does. It makes it so much more complicated if that gets out of order. God has this standard to protect you. Say, God wants to protect me. Just say that. God wants to protect me. He's not trying to mess your party up. He's not trying to submarine you. He's saying, wow, do it like this. In the order that my word gives you, you're gonna, it, life is going to be a whole lot better for you. So here's the key thought. God's strength comes from God's standards. God's strength in your life comes from God's standards. Does God forgive? Absolutely. If there have been things out of order in our life which it, that's happened to us, then does God forgive us? Yes, he forgives. Does God love? Absolutely love. His love doesn't go away because you got his order out of order. He still loves you. He really does. But you can't expect to be strong and do what makes you weak. You can't expect to be strong and do what makes you weak. So here's the sixth question. Hey, I got through the sixth thing pretty good, didn't I? Everybody good? Here we go. Good. Here's number six. Am I fun to be with? Am I an Eeyore or am I fun to be with? I'm not talking about just, you know, off the rails here and being crazy and goofy. I'm talking to my fun to be with. Am I fun? See, that's one thing I, you know, I know I've invested in my, my girl because she... She's the only one on the planet that thinks I'm funny. My kids do every now and again. But see, she gets me. I say certain things under my breath, and she starts laughing. I think, oh, wow, I made her laugh. All right. By the way, can I say this? I'm just going to say it back to the sex thing. Uh, Laughing is a great aphrodisiac, by the way. Laughing is something that draws you together. It brings you together. It attracts you to each other. So here it is. Am I fun to be with? So most marriages are, I'm going to say, I'm going to announce it. Most marriages are mundane. I mean, just the daily 24-7, it's, it's mundane. I'm just, that, that's the truth. Marriage is not all bliss. It's not all romance. So most of the marriage, you have to understand something. Here it is. In our marriages, most of our marriages should be about being good friends. That that's what's fun. It's about developing a, a good friendship. Uh, and good friends, what do good friends do? They laugh and they have fun together. Can I encourage those that are single that are looking for someone to, uh, to have a relationship with or you're in that, please know, just ask that question. Is there joy in my heart? Is there fun? Am I, am, am I someone who likes to have fun? And so over time... What we've done, there, there are things that we enjoy together. Annette and I enjoy, we enjoy a lot of things together. But one of the things that we enjoy together is family, just hanging out with our kids and our grandkids. They make us laugh more than anyone. If we kept a journal on what our kids said when they were little and even when they're older, and if we kept a journal, and we do, we have some of that, and we have it on videotape so they can't deny it either. You know, we have some of it on. And our grandkids, we laugh more at that. Watching the goofy things that they do. I mean, I got a call from Annette. She had all six grandkids on Thursday this week. She calls me and said, hey, we went to the maze over on Holly, but 
But we got home and, 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 and Joe lost his glasses. I said, how did he get through the rest of the maze, man? Couldn't even see with those things, you know. I don't know. It was dark in there. Yeah, he's bumping around in there. Couldn't find his glass. And he doesn't even realize he can't see until he gets home. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like this to Annette. I'm saying, what, what? I said, she goes, well, he wants to go back and look. He, I said, he's not coming with me to look. He has no glasses. He's not going to find his glasses without glasses. That doesn't make any sense to me. I said, send his big brother with me and make sure they got flashlights. And we'll. So I was just eating a McDonald's hamburger and I didn't eat it. I put it down and ran over there and said, get in the car. We're going to go find these glasses. We go to this maze and these people are like, what? I said, left maze. You got, got glasses. I don't know. I don't want to explain the whole thing. So we went in there and they came running out. Hey, we found his glasses. And I said, who found them? I said, I bet it wasn't the guy without the glasses. He goes, no, it was the guy that could see found them. And I said, woo, we did that just good. Those are things you can laugh at. I don't know if you have some good things you can watch together. I mean, those are things we laugh at. Annette, I'll come home sometimes and I just turn on an episode of Seinfeld and she'll look at me going, yeah, bad day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just need to laugh at something that's about nothing. Seinfeld people, they didn't get, some of them aren't Seinfeld people, they didn't. Did you get something? It's about nothing. So I just need sometimes just to do that, you know. Uh, we, we love watching the Dodger games. You already know that. We love hanging out together and doing that. There's just things that you find that you can be with each other and you can laugh. So here's the key thought. Don't underestimate friendship. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says this. Nehemiah said, I love this, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve today for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Have fun. Have fun. Here's the last question. Last question is this. Is marriage worth all of the work? You're happy right now. <laughs> I can tell. I like this. You guys, I keep talking and you guys keep hugging each other. That's good, man. I like that. Got their coffee right there. And I like you guys, man. That's so, you're sitting right there. Some of these folks have drifted apart. I've been watching that one too a little bit. Not, not much, not much, but they're trying to sort it out. So... Can I say this? They've taken, you know they do studies on every generation, but they've done some studies on millennials. Oh, surprise. But here's what they've come up with some millennials. I mean, with dealing with millennials, this is, this is interesting. Surveys say 40% of millennials will be unmarried in their 40s. That's a lot. And the main reason is because they've watched their parents and said, marriage doesn't work. That's their conclusion. This doesn't work. So why do we want to do this? I mean, why would we, you know, millennials are smart too. And they're looking at this and they're just making observations. So what we need to do is there's, there, there's so many, they're saying that marriage doesn't work and the Bible says it does work. So we go back to God's word. God's word says it absolutely works. There's so many places. One of my favorites is uh, Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife or a spouse finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Marriage works. Listen, what God put together, let, let no one destroy it. Let no one destroy it. And remember, uh, if you don't build your house on the rock, it's useless. You build in vain. 
And that's why we build our marriages, our life on God's word. That, that's why that we work at it. And that's why we say, yes, it is worth it. And it is worth it again because God uses this institute as the number one institute to talk about his love for the church. Gosh, there's a standard there. And listen, by the way, and I've said this before, the world hasn't set the standard. There are so many different ideas now about marriage. I'm going, really, are you kidding me? This is really confusing. Why don't we just say, hey, it's God's word. The federal government doesn't decide that. Politics doesn't decide what the definition of marriage is. God decides the definition of marriage, and he's already done it. It's right here. It's all right here. He said, here it is. Don't buy into the straw of what the world says. I mean, you know what? You start eating that and you starve. You have nowhere to go. Listen, it's, it's really is incredible how people have redefined the whole, the whole concept of marriage. And, and God has said, it, it, yes, it works. Marriage works. You have to work at it. And I want to tell you something. Can I tell you something? That, let me, I'm going to finish with this. Let me say this to you. There are struggles in marriage. Talk to Annette. She knows. Uh, there are struggles that you go through in marriage. And there are times you think, wow, is this worth it? Can I say this? And maybe you're there right now. Yes, it is. It is for your well-being if that's where you are right now. It is for your well-being. But it's also for the well-being of our children, our grandchildren. And I'm just talking not just biologically. I'm talking about generationally because that's what the millennials are saying right now. They're looking at it generationally and they're saying their mothers and fathers, woo, that didn't, that didn't go like they thought it should go. This is what I know about 41 years of marriage. I know that our home is safe. A lot to be said for safety. I know my home is a hub. I know my home is a refuge. When our home is a hub and a refuge for our kids and they know it's steady, do you know they go out and take risks that they wouldn't normally take, that they need to take? Just saying. My kids were going out and they're saying, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. I go... Mom and dad are right there. They're, they're going to keep us stable. But there's times in our life we just need to go out and try things out a little bit. You know what I'm saying about vocation and profession and those kind of things? We need to just kind of lay it all in line and say, man, I'm jumping into going to school. I don't know where this is going to go. Man, I'm jumping into a new job. It's scaring me to death. But mom and dad are steady. Are you getting what I'm saying? Wow. In our single homes, mom is steady. Or in another single, dad is steady. They're there. They're steady. They love Jesus. See, this allows our kids to go venture out and, and, and in, in their relationship with Jesus Christ as well. I'm so thankful my kids weren't afraid to get married. They weren't. They didn't come and say, wow, this is really scaring me to death. They did afterwards, but they didn't before. No. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I said, yeah, let's talk. <laughs> but you see, our, our homes, and, and it really comes to this community, church community, this is what we establish as a safe place. And remember this, he's our rock and he's our fortress. He's our foundation. That's why we're here, because of him. Would you bow your head with me? Thanks for listening.
Father, we just thank you today that you have given us some things to think about. Lord, I just pray over our, our, um, our single population, Lord, just not even here for those that might be listening to it live stream right now or wherever else we may be. We just pray in Jesus' name that there would just be a righteous standard that would just rise up in, um, in, in, in our singles' lives, Lord, and a righteous standard in our marriages, Lord. We just pray right now for our marriages. We pray for the future of the body of Christ. Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would show us the way and that we would walk in that way and we would not depart from it because your word is true. It's yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.